Hello everybody, and welcome back to Is This Music? An experimental music podcast brought to you by 113 Composers Collective, based in the Twin Cities, Minnesota. My name's Justin, and I'm your host, and today I'll be uh, sharing with you my chat with Liz Winnagel. See, Liz is a cool cat, and has cool cats, and is cool with cool cats. And we talk about their cool cats for an extended period of time. But the thing that I really enjoy about Liz is that even that can turn into a really, really great rabbit hole about making sound, making theater, and making art. And as you're about to find out, there were plenty of rabbit holes for us to chase down. Before we dive into everything, a quick apology on my part. Near the end of this episode, Liz and I talk about their upcoming performance of Mauricio Cagle's Zwei Akta, which is premiering tonight. It's the North American premiere, but it'll be uh, premiering tonight, July... What day is it? July 8th, as part of the 113 Twin Cities New Music Festival. So as I said, that's happening tonight. And this episode was supposed to air before tonight. So... My apologies if you find it very interesting, but you're just going to have to wait for the next time. And if you're listening to this between today, July 8th, and Saturday, July 10th, 2021, get yourself down to Park Square Theater in St. Paul, Minnesota, and attend some crazy and beautiful concerts put together by 113 Composers Collective as part of their Twin Cities New Music Festival. Now, I babble enough in this episode, so I'll stop babbling now. Enjoy my chat with Liz Winnagle. All right, so I have Liz Winnagle here joining me um, from Not Canada, which is really exciting because that means that we'll be able to work together again eventually soon. <laughs> um, so welcome, Liz. Uh, why don't you, you know, introduce yourself to our listeners? Yeah, hi, I'm I'm Liz, as Justin said, and I use they them and she her pronouns, and I'm a performer and theater artist, and just big fan of all types of art. That's me. Fantastic. So we're going to uh, go right into the uh, kind of uh, definition of experimental music here and everything. <laughs> the deep dive. We're going to work yeah, back. We're going to do, do that. And then I want to hear about your cats. Sure. So, you know, okay. <laughs> we'll get the uninteresting stuff done and we'll talk cool. about cats for an hour. Um, so what is, what is your personal definition of experimental music? Yeah, um, that is a tricky one to think about. Um, I like the idea of kind of challenging that question or idea of experimental music. Um, I think just having come up in the Western musical school um i tend to think that at least 
as a, as singers, um, you and I are both singers. Mm. I think we think of anything outside of like bel canto technique or opera or choral music as experimental. And I actually think that's pretty limited because I think there's there's just such a huge array of, of music out there. Um, I don't know if I have a definition of experimental or new music, but um, what I appreciate about new music um, is the fact that I think it's it's it challenges it, it just poses a challenge and it interrogates um, people's people's concept of music, people's concept of performance and and I think that's almost inherent in in most of the new music or experimental music that I've seen and I think that's that's kind of what draws me to it. Yeah. So two big concepts that are going to be really fun to to dig into. Uh, I love that you just used the word interrogate to be like kind of a self-assessing process. And that is, that's the first time I've heard that, uh, heard, heard it described as that interrogation. It's such, it's kind of intense, you know, mm-hmm. but it should be, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is that, is that how you kind of think about, I don't know, is, is that something you, way that you kind of describe it to yourself? Yeah, yeah. I think it's funny that, that you point out that word because I think that it's become just a big staple of my vocabulary. Mm. Um, and yeah, integral to most processes that, I, that I'm a part of these days. And I think it's, you know, I mentioned I'm a theater maker. I'm doing a lot more theater these days, actually, than than music and i think that that is that is just a core principle of what i what i do in art making is just like the constant annoying child who's like why 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 um yeah but then also i think what's really cool about new music is that it just in itself it presents something that um that often poses a question or or leaves people really like with a thought in their head if that makes any sense yeah it makes it makes perfect sense yeah a a commonality um amongst a lot of performers and creators i've talked to about about new music is the the experience of of whoever they've invited to the concert whoever bought a ticket um the first question is basically what (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. What, what did i see what did I, you know, and, and so so this is already something that that we've um, have dug into it with, with some people on this on this podcast, and um, I will never stop digging into it because uh, people need to. I think people need to know that that question is good. It's healthy. It's uh, it's natural. So yeah, it's an interrogation. Yeah. That's gonna stick with me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I also something popped into my mind. Like I. I think I'm really big on like value judgments of good and bad in mm-hmm. in several of the spheres that I'm working in. Um, another big sphere that I work in is with like people with disabilities and, you know, creating art that, that challenges disability and also mm-hmm. at the same time kind of like challenges art. And I think there's something in common with the type of art that's made by kind of like outsider art, I guess that you, Mm -hmm. you would call it. Um, and then 
new music, which is that many people seem caught up in like, well, is it good? Like, what is the excellence value? What is, um, you know, how, how is it furthering my experience of, of what's good about art or like, how am I enjoying it? And I think, um, yeah, new music challenges that. Yeah. Um, yeah. It gets into, it gets into beauty, right? Which Mm -hmm. is a, Mm -hmm. uh, highly, you know, I mean, in, in just society in general is another, you know, deep, deep, deep rabbit hole to get into. Um, mm-hmm. but we'll, we'll stay on the surface of music and let that seep in for everybody, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah, but for sure. so that goes back to the other thing that I thought was, was really interesting in your definition, um, the standard definition of new music and experimental music being defined is in through Eurocentricity, right? Mm-hmm. Using the same, um, using the same criteria that we would use for, uh, you know, Baroque music, basically. And then mm-hmm. expecting that to carry over to something that was made last week and completely ignoring, you know, that other cultures have been using what Western cultures consider dissonance and atonal and weird mm-hmm. and everything. That's folk mm-hmm. music to so many other cultures. Yeah, I think, well, just to kind of go into like an anecdotal thing, I feel I, I of course, kind of want to talk about um, some of my some of my work that I've done with Artemis, my um, new music ex- experimental vocal ensemble, um, and just kind of our journey of y- figuring out sounds that are in the extended technique. Um, I don't know library or outs- outside of outside of bel canto technique um, or choral technique, and. Yeah, I think that's where we sort of discovered that it's it's just sort of endless. And then also that, yeah, other cultures have just, they've been doing it. You know, like mm-hmm. they've, they have all these other techniques. There are so, so, so many techniques outside of Western tradition that are not necessarily valued the way that they should be. So I, I think one thing that I do like about new music is that it, it it gives permission and it also it gives permission to mm-hmm. explore to transgress to challenge um and and kind of explore and and also go in with this humility of like other other people have been doing this you know this isn't this isn't necessarily mm-hmm. this isn't new this is new music but is is the technique new maybe not yeah yeah right well and and same could be said for you label it because I know there's there's kind of a back and forth of oh new music or experimental music you know and I know that experimental is kind of you know comes out of the desire to separate it from you know your like new grand operas that are being written that are very much in kind of more romantic mm-hmm. neo-romantic style right which is all well and fine and everything but it's not experimental right you know it's not mm-hmm. pushing the envelope um but at the same but at the same time I, I agree it's it's you might be experimenting, but you're experimenting with things that other people mm-hmm. have figured out. You know, and so the definition and uh, of of that experimentation it should should move a little bit further past weird sounds and into 
how are you using that weird sound mm-hmm. differently? You know, um, which I think might lead into kind of theater making mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, you know, so I would love to hear, I'd love to hear more about your experience as a theater maker, um, as, as a, just an outsider, you know, just kind of getting snippets of your work and everything. You know, I, I've, you know, seen some of the stuff that you did while you were, um, before you went off to grad school, you know, that, that you produced in, uh, was it, uh, sorry if I don't get, was it blue? Yeah. This side, the... this side of the uh, blue. Yeah. yeah. This yeah. side of the blue. Yeah. Yeah. I got the color right. Um, this side of the blue. And I remember that and the shadow puppetry and it's just beautiful work that, that I would list as mm. experimental, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and yes, but I, what I don't know is how you've transcended that since Ooh. in the last couple of years. Um, yeah. Well, that was the first show I directed ever. Um, and I think it was in 2000. 14. So it feels like a long time ago at this point. Um, and yeah, it's funny to hear it called experimental because in some ways I feel like it's like the most norm core thing I've ever done. It was like a, like a, um, Baroque (laughs) concert shadow puppet opera, which it's not that experimental. Um, but yeah, I guess to kind of tie in theater making to this conversation, I'm, I'm sort of thinking about, um, yeah, the journey that I've been on as a theater creator and director and how I've been able to weave weave in experimental music in in my work. Um, yeah, and it's been really fascinating. So I went to grad school in Calgary, Canada, and it was an interesting experience. I think because I'm so used to being in, I was so used to being in Minneapolis and having all these like wildly creative people at my hand, like at my beck and call to just be like, hey, do you want to get in my backyard and and just like improvise some some weird sounds? Um, and then being in a new place, I was like, I don't I don't know any people that will just like come over and 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 do weird right. stuff with me. Um, but so I was in like a theater program and trying to find ways to actually sort of like compose with sometimes non-singers like I'm thinking specifically of this um I did one scene for a directing class that was from Electra um and for the the play not the opera I feel like I have to say that (laughs) Oh yeah, that is actually yeah. a good distinction. That's um, a good distinction. And it yeah. was this yeah, it's a yeah, yeah. from Electra. <laughs> yeah, we just <laughs> casual. Um, yeah, and it was this. I wanted to explore grief, and I wanted to. Exp- I was really interested in exploring like cor- theatrical chorus um, because there's so yeah, there's so much in common kind of there between like music making and and the way that you can use chorus in Greek theater. Um, ancient Greek theater. And so I got together like four or five performers um, to do this chorus scene with Electra. And I wanted them, I wanted them to experiment with like wailing as a group. And, but I think like one of them in the group was maybe sort of a musician, maybe a singer. Um, And the rest of them weren't really like they, you know, they could make yeah. nice sounds with their 
their bodies and their voices, but they weren't trained singers. Um, but I, I kind of approached it almost like the way that you would, I don't know, maybe collaborate on a piece of music. So I like had someone kind of wailing in a lower register and then a couple other people like in a mid register and then a high register. And then I tried to get them to, they were like improvising basically. And I tried to get them to sort of feel the wave of, of their sort of like grief music as a whole, like feel this wailing almost like they were singing. Um, and it was actually amazing how they as like quote non-musicians were able to like intuit together as a group like a a beginning crescendo and then diminuendo and then like also the way that we were able to find a vocabulary without any any music speak um yeah i was surprised by the the effectiveness of that so that is an example of of one way that um yeah experimental <laughs> music and voice is kind of like gotten its way into my theatrical practice. And in that process, do you, I don't want to say notate, but, but do you, do you, you know, kind of dictate it down afterwards or during to kind of find, you know, to kind of preserve the structure, I guess? Um, no, I didn't write it. I know I didn't write anything down, um, but I did I did videotape it um, so that I could just go back and, and kind of watch it. But it was it was kind of odd, like we came up with markers somehow and there were within this kind of like bigger mass structure. Um, several of the individual performers had like a little trick or like a trill or something that they would do they'd be like wailing and then it would like go higher pitched and then the other person would like respond to that and um we eventually i think found a couple anchors within that and i think this was like just a minute long or something like that but um it really yeah. sort of like set the tone for the scene that was to come mm -hmm. and and their way of working yeah i was just amazed by the the consistency that they were able to achieve um in this that experiment that we did yeah mm -hmm. i've been working this year on a lot of uh stephen takasugi pieces um i don't know if you're no. familiar mm -mm. with his work at all uh, it's uh his style is is like music theater with a capital bold underlined theater cool. <laughs> you know kind of thing um he is, he is one of the most just nice. He's like one of the nicest. He's one of those people where like you get the score and you're like, come on. Like, you want me to do what? Like, this is this much detail. And then you talk to him and nice. you're like, oh, OK, nice. I'll do it. Like, <laughs> I, I'll no. make it perfect for you. You know, <laughs> um, it's just like such that. a generous, warm person. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Generous and warm. And when you when you veer off the path, he's always like, oh, I think that can work. Let me oh, let me write that down, cool. you know, Um which is great, but but definite like emphasis on the theater with with the understanding that the um, the visible processes on stage are part of the music. A simple example is for listeners is is you go to the orchestra and they tune up beforehand, and that's a piece of music on itself that never never replicates. It has the same end, but never the same beginning, you know, and and middle structures, right? Um, or you know, page turns 
you know, how does the sound of a page turn when you're listening to a piano concerto um, add percussion or interrupt in a musical way? Um, hopefully a yeah. musical way, <laughs> unless the page turner trips. Um, and, uh, you know, how does that interrupt the piece? You know, that can be that can be notated, that can be um, in some way and dictated to uh, basically enhance the audience's experience mm. without them knowing it. And that's so that's kind of his take in everything. Um, but there is so much there is so much structure because it's the piece is almost backwards from what you're mm. describing. Um, which is that it's written out and then realized um, instead of created and yeah, then and both documented. are both are valid and and exciting ways to work and like something to push back on too. So that's great. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally valid. You know, uh, but it's just interesting to you know my mind's been in that one place and then to hear this I'm like that sounds really <laughs> nice. Uh, you know. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> I guess what I'm saying is next time you yes. invite people to make oh, weird sure. sounds in your backyard, okay, awesome. I'm here. You know, I think that's yeah. my long-winded way. Yeah, we should have <laughs> weird say. sound parties. Mm-hmm. Weird sound parties. Um, yeah. Um, that's I, I I don't I don't know why, but I have a very strong um, very strong urge to ask about your cats because they're beautiful creatures. Yes. Can yes. we? And then see if this leads us back to Maybe. music and art. Yes, I mean, they, they are, are works of art. Alum- uh, yeah, they've got some great noises, too. Um, yeah, so their names are Winterborn and Olympia. They're kind of, like, pretentious. Um, yeah, Winter, yeah, they're cats. The cats yeah. um, they're both sleeping here with me. They're probably listening and judging. Um, but, yeah, Winterborn's named after a character from Henry James. A short story and I have had he's nine years old so I've had him for a while um oh. yeah and then Olympia is she's named after um the doll from Tales of Hoffman um yeah because oh. I love that aria and yeah and I love that opera you, yeah you yeah that. I like singing that That's... one I know <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, and I I just like the the creepy doll aspect of that of that opera. I would yeah. love to direct that. So, yeah, mm, I don't know. Shout it's out shout if out anyone <laughs> needs yeah. me to make a creepy doll opera. I am here, um, available. Uh, yeah, and let's see, Olympia. She speaking of sounds. Um, yeah, I think she like mimics birds, I swear. And I, I need to Google if this is like a thing that cats do, but she really like, I'll take her outside and she's like, <laughs> like, yeah, it's really, I think she's trying to oh, yeah. mimic them or something, but I don't, I don't know. Yeah. So they're perfect. I know, I know I, I've read like, I, you know, like most cat owners, like the amount of concern and that I have for my cats is the same amount of concern that I have for children. It's like, you know, it's like, I'm going to Google this. Like Mm -hmm. I got to figure it out. You know, do I need to worry about anything? And, um, I, I, so I have read multiple articles that cats mimic their humans sounds, Mm -hmm. you know, so I don't think it'd be far off for them to mimic the birds in the backyard. If they're, Oh, this triggered. I feel like I actually just remembered that I had a dream that, last night that Olympia was barking like a dog. So yeah, it's on my mind. <laughs> that would be unsettling. 
Yeah, there's a there's unsettling. a YouTube video just... of a of a cat barking and then its owner like discovers it barking and it gradually goes from like ruff, 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 meow, meow, like as it gets discovered. <laughs> I hope that it's real. I hope it's not fake. Yeah. I like to. I, yeah. yeah. It's on the internet. It's real. Of course. Yeah. Right. Yes. That's how it works. Um. So yeah, yeah. Well, so this is maybe the through line. It's you know. Do you ever talk to? I totally talk to my cats all the time, and try to speak their language. And sometimes I make a sound that I'm like, I'm gonna put that in the vault. Does uh, that ever oh, happen to most you? definitely. Um, yeah, and I am living alone for the first time in a in a really really long time, or like ever maybe. And so yeah, I've gotten a lot more comfortable talking to my cats all the time. Um, and it's it's pretty mm-hmm. it's pretty fun. And I think, like, I do, I do actually think that they understand, they understand a lot of it. I think um, so. Yeah. I... Any sounds? I sing very obnoxiously to them, like, yeah, musical theater and, yeah, any anything you can think of. Yeah. As to be expected. I mean, you gotta you gotta, go yeah. for it. I mean, if you're a sound maker, you gotta mm-hmm. make sound to your animals, right? Um, so, <laughs> thinking of yourself as a theater maker as a musician now that you're back home after years of you know being you know three years of, of being in a different country even you know yeah do you have any plans for what you'd like to what you'd like to make and kind of contribute back to your home now that you're here um again? i would say that i have a clearer it is it is really it is really wild first of all to just be back and mm-hmm. everything is so familiar but yeah I do I do feel like a little bit of a different person in a a great way um I feel much more confident in my ability to collaborate and also facilitate um performance creation so my my master's was in directing in theater uh with a focused with a focus on devised and interdisciplinary theater so I was focusing most of the time on techniques to create in the rehearsal room with with other artists and kind of draw out their strengths. Um, So I wasn't focusing really on like directing Shakespeare or something like that. I was definitely playing with experimental creation. Um, So, but also within that process, it was funny to be getting a directing degree when I sometimes feel as if the role of the director will slow, might slowly deteriorate in a good, in a good way. In as we move into less hierarchical ways of working, but I do think that a lot of the skills are are still super important that you would learn in directing school or as a director. Um, so I feel really excited about my ability to facilitate working with other artists. Um, my ability to to find those questions, to interrogate, um, and also offer just, you know, more, more exercises. Um, like, okay, this is, this is the piece that we're doing. What if we try doing this specific exercise that I know? And, um, so that's really exciting. Yeah. Something that is in music culture in general is there needs to be more directors that view themselves as a facilitator and not yep. a captain. 
And there's definite, definitely people doing that here um, that I've worked with. And those have been my favorite yes. people to work with. Um, but it's not the it's not the culture. It's the exception. So it's really exciting to hear you. I mean, I was I was thinking I was thinking that before yeah. you said facilitate, you know, facilitate. And so it's really exciting to, to hear that that's just organically part of mm-hmm. how mm-hmm. you define this. Yeah, it's really important. And I don't know, something sticks in my head, too. I We're not talking about opera, but, you know, we're kind of talking about this this world of music and theater directing. And I met this pretty she's a pretty successful young director in Toronto and she said something to me that was both inspiring and really sad um and she said yeah and she she seems like a really awesome director and um she said oh yeah I just give the singers like a tiny bit of agency and they think that I'm like the most incredible person ever like I just reinvented everything and she's like I'm just giving them like one cent of freedom and say in the process and I was like well that says a lot about the way that these Mm -hmm. directorial processes often run but it is also really good that you're yeah that you are willing to hand things over to singers and and inspire them and treat them and treat them like artists because I think that was one reason that I ended up going into directing and maybe, yeah, maybe you can, this resonates with you. Um, I just think that the way performers and especially singers are often treated is like that they're not artists, they're just line cooks. And, you know, Uh, and I just think that's so wrong because they're often, you know, the most creative, wonderful, interesting people. Yeah. mm -hmm. And there's such a, (laughs) I'm yeah, I like that you use that that comparison to a very good friend of mine, Alex, who will be listening to this. So, hi. hi, Alex. Um, he's a hi. He's a he's a fantastic chef. Um, Bird in hand uh, is his pop up and everything. Uh, but he uh, we have we have conversations pretty often about you know about the the uh, parallel between uh, you know cooking and you know is is an art, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's, it's visual art. It's a, it's the only art you can taste, you know, unless you really overstep your boundaries at the museum, I guess. But like, <laughs> but, uh, you know, so yeah, it's, it's singers do get treated like line cooks and it's unfortunate that line yeah. cooks get treated like line cooks, you know, true. is, is, is the thing. And, and that's the, um, but it's so true. And, and it does resonate with me because that's what I love. I love opera and I, I will, I always have like my desire to be on stage to create a role and everything like that but I've really really kind of ventured away from it a bit because it yeah doesn't always make me feel like an artist because of the pipeline because Mm -hmm. of the hierarchy um you know I just want to I mean it's it hasn't changed since I was 14 years old I just want (laughs) to be in a band you know awesome and opera doesn't feel like a band 90% of the time Mm mm-hmm yeah but how you're describing you know devised theater and how you're describing your your approach to directing and creating um very much sounds like being in a band totally maybe great segue then so we're talking about bands um let's go down the rabbit hole of like how do you get this your current soundscape what you grow up listening to? Oh, that's so funny. I was, yeah, I was thinking about that earlier today uh, because 
I, I grew up conservative Catholic, if you can believe it. Um, <laughs> Same. Um, so, yeah. It totally worked. <laughs> and I, yeah. <laughs> uh, but... <laughs> I, but also I was thinking I was thinking about specifically music. So my mom is a church choir director. So that that is how I got involved in music. Um, and I'm super, super grateful for having grown up that way. I mean, I learned Gregorian chant and I learned like um, polyphony as a really young person and I got to sing all this stuff and I'm sure that's where I got interested in it. But like my mom also just like hates pop music. And so I just like, I grew up just like not listening to any pop or any rock music until, I think until I was in high school and then I figured out how to make it happen. And then uh, started listening to a lot of hip hop <laughs> um, and all sorts of, nice. all sorts of stuff. Um, yeah. What was the what was the kind of in that period then? Like, what was the thing that you um, were like? Like oh, this I, is when mine. I was in high school, I think it was like two thousand six or two thousand seven. Like, like garage rock was still cool. Like there was still mm -hmm. a station dedicated to that. Um, like a radio station dedicated to that. I listened to like Weezer and yeah, I thought all mm -hmm. that stuff was really cool. And then I just was really into like alternative. Um, yeah, kind of rock music and indie music. And then I had a really very intense phase my last year of high school and I think first year of college where I only listened to like, and I was also doing classical music at the time, but other mm -hmm. music that I was listening to was only electronic music. Like I was just like, this is this is it. Everything else is not interesting. Like. like fantastic yeah i think i still like down in this basement i have like a stack of burned cds that i i always like pop in to see like what was this and sometimes it's like a recorded lesson from undergrad and sometimes it's like emo hits from 2005 mm -hmm. like you know um and it's always and then i just put them away 
they get a little bit more scratched yeah. and they lose like one or two more tracks which yeah. i think it's kind of fun <laughs> actually you know like um yeah this is sort of a cursed um, topic but um i don't know did you ever do the thing this is so gross actually when i was in high school we would clean off our cds by putting them in the toilet did you ever do this technique <laughs> you put your cd in the toilet no, and you flush elaborate. it and then like <laughs> and it the, yeah no, the water it, helps the water it somehow kind of scrubs and it. then you wash it off clearly like you wash your hands everything but yeah. 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 yeah i've heard this is something yeah. that other people well, have also used this is not just me um i will I, i'm gonna take your word for yeah. that i believe i believe you like that sounds that totally sounds like something um anybody into mix yeah. cds would would do like because you know mixtapes you know mix cd mm -hmm. comes from the mixtapes right who makes mixtapes like people who make yeah. music in their basements like it mm. makes sense that they would try flushing a yeah. cd down the toilet you know unfortunate so so when you when you say that that you didn't have like pop and rock in your life you mean that that it was like mostly classical i think so music. i think like my mom listened to like a few like oldies and i actually okay i do actually think i had like an aretha franklin cd Getting the spirit in the dark. I'm getting the spirit in the dark. People moving, falling with grooving. Just getting the spirit in the dark. But yeah it was yeah so good. it was yeah it was pretty limited so and i think i'm still yeah. like i haven't completely caught up like people will make references to like certain rock things and i just like haven't i'm like i have no uh -huh. idea what they're talking about like acdc hmm? right. who's that yeah what? um <laughs> who is that yeah no it, 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 it you know I, I kind of you know empathize because it's yeah i was it, i guess i was raised you know maybe not like conservative catholic i found out recently that you know my mom like picked the church we went to because it was at the time you know not like super that's cool super mm -hmm. conservative and everything which was cool i was like ma we should have mm -hmm. talked about this earlier but um mm -hmm. also hi mom hi. uh but <laughs> she listens too hi um so that was kind of cool, cool to know and, and everything but I do remember sneaking my music. Like there was a uh, jo uh, Joey Allen was his name. He wore a Slipknot shirt and he got uh, got ex uh, not expelled. He got suspended um, because he wore the Slipknot shirt. So I totally <laughs> listened to Slipknot because we had we had school uniforms. We had a dress oh, down day really? or whatever, and he wore it. And they're like, "Oh, that's oh my gosh. music!" And Whoa, you had to go home. That's intense. Yeah, yeah, it's very intense, but still like to this day I, I have a i have trouble like remembering band names because it wasn't really like that discovery thing it mm -hmm. came so much later in life like i just heard stooges for oh, the wow. first time this year you know yeah right which is really crazy i, I heard iggy pop it was the mm -hmm. 80s stuff and i didn't like it at all so um so yeah i heard the stooges for the yeah. first time this year those late and... discoveries yeah i feel like i yeah. discovered like patty smith very late in life and was just like, oh, this is, this is awesome. 16 in time to pay off. 
get this job in a piss factory inspecting the pipe. Forty hours, thirty-six dollars a week, but it's a paycheck, Jack. It's so hot in here, hot like Sahara. You can faint from the heat, but these bitches are just too lame to understand. Too goddamn grateful to get this job, to know they're getting screwed up the ass. All these women that got no teeth and gum or cranium, and the way they suck hot sausage with me, well, I wasn't saying too much neither. I was more. All right, so all right, so then you then you discover Weezer, which is. In terms, in which, in terms of garage rock and like kind of commercial garage rock, they're kind of a weird yeah. band, and they are they they're challenging. Like it's it's all you know it's all it's bubblegum, but then like the lyrical mm-hmm. content and just kind of the little like twists and mm-hmm. everything like that. Um, they really do. I I think they they've always challenged the listener um, in their singles and everything. So I think that's mm-hmm. logical too. And they just sing super weird. Um, Say it ain't so. Yeah. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> they're still fun yeah, to right? imitate. It's... The... <laughs> yeah, they're kind of playful. Right? They're playful. <laughs> I do. I do like they playful are. music. I think yeah. that's probably the through line. Probably the through line. Yeah. Um. Is there is there any other kind of you know trigger points in your in your music journey that you? Okay. After Weezer, got Weezer got um, electronic music. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then I think in college I got more interested in sort of like noisy, noisy sort of music. Like um, I really liked mm-hmm. Tune Yards a lot. anymore but yeah i think um just kind of stuff with like odd instrumentation i've noticed i really like music with like odd percussive qualities um i like a good prepared piano um I, there's this band mikachu and the shapes i really like them um yeah they're, they're really awesome hip-hop and stuff and that's a little that's like a lot of what I listen to now um yeah my favorite artist right now is her name's Jungle Pussy she's incredible um and she's also very very playful and she is basically like a comedian too like she's so funny check out her Instagram she's hilarious um yeah and but also like the the kind of poetic quality to her music is is amazing it's playful and poetic i want somebody who don't like nobody i want somebody who don't like to party sit in the crib and sip a hot toddy sit in the kitchen and whip up a salad perfect 
And does that kind of does that then seep into your process? Is are are you are you an artist that like do you like to listen to music to get the create the creation flowing, or do you kind of let what you're working on become your soundtrack? Oh gosh, yeah, I definitely yeah. This will bring. I feel like maybe I have a couple separate like double. I have like a triple double life thing with some of my music. Um, <laughs> yeah, I I listen. I definitely always kind of have a playlist for like a show that I'm conceiving of um, with different stuff on it. Uh, I listen to, for within my like artistic practice, I listen to a lot of Bjork. I do a lot of like moving to Bjork and then journaling. It sounds really dorky, but I get into it. Um, Yeah. That's what Bjork was made for. Um, I listen to (laughs) Tanya Tagak. She's a indigenous uh, musician out of, uh, I think, Northwestern Canada. Um, she's got, it's almost like, I describe it as like, well, I don't know. I don't know if I'm allowed to describe it, but like, I feel like I have an exorcism or something when I, when I, listen, when I listen to it. It's very intense. Ah, yeah. Yeah, and then yeah, usually within every um, with every theater show that I'm directing, I'll have like one or two songs that are really even if they're not in the show, like they're kind of like driving the force of of some of my thoughts. Like I'll listen to them all the time. The last my thesis show that I directed, um, the the two songs for that were um, "Someone in Love" by Bjork. It's a cover of like a jazz standard by Bjork. Sometimes the things I do astound me. Mostly whenever you're around me. And I just like could not stop singing that all the time and listening to it and then Fly Me to the Moon, sung by Astrid Gilberto. Yeah, those were the two. So a little all over the place, but it's fun. Yeah. I don't know what other projects you have coming up, which I would like to hear about, um, but I do know that you'll be uh, performing with 113 uh, as part of the New Music Festival. Um, you'll be performing a Coggle piece, correct? Yes. With yeah. Adam Zaylor. Zaylor. Um yeah, so we're doing Yeah. We're doing that. We're doing two pieces actually. Um but the coggle seems to be the the main focus because it's 30 minutes long. Um yeah, so it's it's called Zwei Akte by Coggle, Mauricio Coggle. Um okay. Yeah, and right. I just learned recently that Zwei Akte is a double entendre in German for two nudes. So it does feature, Apps yeah, it does feature two nudes. So that's what Adam and I, so the piece 
is for harp and saxophone, neither of which Adam and I are playing. And then it also calls for two performers um, who appear on stage without clothes and then perform a reverse strip tease. Um, yeah, uh, which is translated, yeah, which is translated from German. Uh, so we're kind of, we're taking some of the instructions with a grain of salt being like, well, does this mean striptease mm. or does this mean, I don't know, what, what could it mean? Um, yeah, so yeah. I am super excited for this piece and it, it feels like, you know, all the things that we've talked about, it feels really kind of in, in my wheelhouse and Adam's wheelhouse, um, because it's combining, uh, movement, theater and music and and devising so mm -hmm. i was like well these are this is something that i'm suited for so this this is going to be really fun um and we've we we're rehearsing more than we might know we're rehearsing a lot um which is awesome and because we're we're discovering kind of as we go and we're going with this idea that the mu i'm interested in kind of like letting the music dictate to us through our like exploration of impulse and rehearsal, um, letting it sort of dictate the action on stage. Um, and it's great to be paired with Adam, who I know really well, um, because, yeah, because he has an openness to, to trying some of the, like some weird techniques that I want to do. Um, and and we have this rapport of, yeah, both like really questioning the work really intensely and being able to kind of push back and forth on each other. And yeah, I'm super excited for it. So what is the, um, for, for our listeners, you know, one thing that just as a little, you know, kind of, uh, the background and everything, one, one thing that, that again has co continuously come up in these conversations, um, is, the difference of expectation between more standard repertoire and new experimental or question mark mm -hmm. music, right? Um, and the main difference is in that expectation is um, that mostly, but that, that mostly in standard repertoire, your expectation is for the story, you know, and the the narrative of things, and, and you 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 kind of get that bow and everything, and you get the the performance practice and the tradition, and you you know where things are going to be new music you don't get that you're continuously challenged um and there is a heavy reliance on aesthetic so that the audience can interpret mm -hmm. the aesthetic you know and so the composer and the performers and the audience are kind of creating that decision together in the moment that's all you know yes. so <laughs> that's yeah it. that's it so yeah. when you're working on this piece as you're as you're creating this is is there anything in that in that realm that the that the audience should you know maybe consider or wonder about going into it hmm. yeah well first of all yeah i think that's a really good explanation of of kind of what, what to expect from new music um and i think i want to mention too that like one thing that got me really that i think got me interested in new music in the first place experimental music is like the possibility for for a theatricality, like you're saying, that is not necessarily linear or tied to a story. Um, and there's kind of a shock value sometimes, and there's unanswered questions, and I just love that type of art. Um, but I also want to 
challenge the assumption that because it's experimental that there's no story or there's no I mean there's certainly hopefully not going to be a bow on it Um, and I don't know you didn't necessarily say there's no story but I think yeah I want to challenge that just because it's new or contemporary doesn't necessarily mean that it's that there's no meaning or that it's purely aesthetics or that it's completely abstract so that is how I've been interrogating this piece and um yeah and adam and i both have have sort of had these these conversations about it um and like i will to kind of bring it back to what i've learned over the past few years in in directing school and stuff is you know i've created i really like to create things that are abstract and that i don't think have a story or that i don't that i don't think have a narrative um, and then time and time again, and it depends on the audience, right? New music audience right, versus right. like a theater audience. People put story on everything, you know, like it is just, unless you are a specific type of audience member, people love to interpret and they love, they love to put story onto what they're seeing, which I think is mm-hmm. really cool. Um, and so I, I just want to have, I don't want to ever ignore that. And I want to have like a heightened awareness of, of that type of perception and really like, okay, if we're making the choice that there's no ending or that um, we're in an anachronistic setting or something, like that's a choice. It's not just, oh, we're doing that because right. it's new music. And that's what a new music audience right. expects. But then that, that makes, makes any sense. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So back to your, what was your question? <laughs> um, yeah. So to say a little bit more about the piece, um, one thing that I'm also really excited about is it both is pretty specific in its direction, the directions he's given. Um, I'll kind of paraphrase. So two actors, I said they... Um, do a reverse striptease, meaning they put on clothes. There's they're supposed to be quote staged in a th- dressing room of a theater with mm-hmm. like clothes everywhere. Um, and what else does it say? They put on there are two screens. They put on clothes behind the screens as often as in full view. Um, they put on clothing in fits and starts. And they are, they react as if animated by the actions of the other. So that to me is both like very pretty specific and then also leaves so much room for interpretation. So that's, that's been really fun to have like, this is a clear prompt, but we can like go so many places with this. Um, So like one thing that we've, well, one thing we've talked a lot about is, well, also I said two performers, but the score calls for a quote, male and female performer, which we can get into. Um, Because I don't necessarily identify as female, but uh, I'm assigned female at birth. So, you know, anyone in the audience might assume that it's a male and female on stage uh, performing this. And 
Yeah, one one kind of story that we've latched onto a little bit that I that I like is um, I'm really interested in in archetypes in general in theater, and sort of the the archetype and the mythology of Adam and Eve, and and that that binary. I think it brings up a binary, and then it also like gives room for us to to question to question that binary and those power imbalances, and then also the performance of gender um by you know both masculine and and feminine performances of gender i don't know if anything will be that on the nose Mm -hmm. for the audience to interpret but that's definitely kind of what's spinning around in our heads and and influencing us and i also like that like the possible the connection to a creation story like adam and eve are the closest to a non- in, in this type of mythology, the closest to like a non-hierarchy between human and nature, right? Yeah. So I yeah. kind of often think that in breaking down the binary, we also break down other hierarchies. Um, we break down like the hierarchy of nature and humans, humans and animals. Um, and so it brings this possibility of us to like arrive on stage just as as like human animals mm-hmm. without um without that performance of gender um yeah so that's kind of our interpretation at this at this point in the we still have a little bit to discover but um not to give too much away but our our prompt is that we sort of arrive in a state of bafflement and then we we discover something along the way oh cool cool yeah you know just just uh Going back to, to Adam and Eve, uh, and the, this might not even make it in, but going back to Adam and Eve, there's this there's this theological uh, um, perspective, um, and I'm going to use the word creator because I, I don't really like to think of uh, God. I like to think about creator. So um, you'll wear like, you know, so Adam and Eve, male and female, this binary idea, night and day, right? Um heaven and earth kind of thing and this but this idea this theological idea where like the creator also made dawn and dusk right also made swamplands and marshes and bogs which are neither land or water you know and mm-hmm. where it's it's so this this perspective that this description in the first pages of the bible of this creation right is really just a human's like way of explaining these are the these are the absolutes that were done, and think about all the like impossible variety in between those two things that were that, that I've just listed, mm. you mm-hmm. know. Um, yeah, I don't know that just yeah. that just triggered this this that thought. That's great. It's, yeah, something that I awesome. stumbled across pretty recently, and um, mm. I don't know. Just well, yeah. Chewing. I mean, clearly, it's it's the thing of like, yeah, it's so much more complicated than that, and. I think that's true of kind of any I've studied a lot of kind of archetypal characters mm-hmm. and and that's what they are. They're sort of like a container for something that's that's much, much more complicated. Yeah. So yeah. We're trying to trouble up we're exploring this archetype and then also trying to trouble it up. Awesome. Through I'll movement and through... putting on clothes. <laughs> yeah. Such a simple solution. Yes. Um, 
it do is there anything you want to say about um i don't know what the other piece piece is actually i haven't looked at oh, the yeah. entire programs of everything yet um it is called dear ape by a um whose last name new music composer uh jimenez and he is a swedish composer um alive and kicking today um as most of the composers probably are um on this and yeah it's it, it's kind of funny that it's paired with this other piece where we are going to be naked because um we kind of we don't want them to kind of leak into each other mm -hmm. because this one is like yeah it's a piece with a lot of sex sounds and it's like super over the top and yeah it's it's kind of it's super hilarious um <laughs> yeah and and i think the way that adam and i are going to play it is is going to be really funny and just like what did i just see um great yeah so we're performing that after the coggle because i don't like i also kind of like about the coggle that we're we've sort of like desexualized it a bit and mm -hmm. i'm i'm really interested in that type of performance i have I did a show called Sing Me Naked, like, um, in 2016, and it actually, like, focused on, on nudity and uh, feminine bodies, and, you know, just the, the a, a naked body is not inherently sexual, and I think mm -hmm. it's, like, um, kind of problematic that, that that thought is, like, very pervasive in our culture. Um, so yeah, so we don't want that piece to color the coggle because right. I think there's something like a bit more like mythical and 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 deep with the coggle. Um, are they on the same program or are they different programs? Yeah, they're on the same program. Oh yeah. okay, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Well, that's that's a, that's always a programming challenge. I mean, I think that pops up a lot of mm -hmm. you know. I mean, maybe not that specific example, but you know, where it's like, okay, I don't, I want to do this with this piece. But mm -hmm. like, I need to have some um, dictation over how the audience perceives this this next piece. Yeah. You know? um, mm -hmm. And what's and so yeah, it's it's an art in itself to, to program and everything. But that's that's yeah. fascinating. Um, yeah, and and I think it's it's kind of cool though. Like that's what's kind of cool about concerts is like, whatever piece comes first, like inherently is going to color yeah. the next one. Yeah. No matter, even on, you know, a Baroque concert or something. Oh, for sure. You know? For sure. So. I, one of, still one of my favorite programs from 113 that, that, that I've seen was, um, I think this was like 2017 or something like that, 2016, 2017. Um, but uh, they did uh, um, Joey Crane's Once, uh, Once White and Shadows, and but they paired... And I don't know the opus number or whatever because I don't memorize that. Uh, but the Beethoven, the quote atonal Beethoven quartet, um, oh. you know, uh, that like got him kicked out of the court and everything like that. <laughs> yeah, Ooh, scandalous. <laughs> and. that like then when the quartet started up in this completely other you know environment of sound and everything you see these light bulbs kind of going like oh i i get it you know mm. or yeah 
That's um, awesome. So it was a really cool experience, but... You know, you get, yeah, you do as a performer, as an administrator, um, if you're doing administration right, uh, you get that, that kind of thumbprint, mm-hmm. which is really neat. Totally. So, all right, so you and Adam uh, have a... Uh, of a great you know history and everything and is there anything that you would like to embarrass adam with oh <laughs> maybe a new music icon an impression, impression. <laughs> such an icon um yes i would He's iconic. um hilarious so funny you ask that <laughs> um yes so we did a piece back in the day um this was probably in like 2013, I think. Um, but our other music icon friend, Tara Loper, put together a, a concert that was pretty cool at Jaime's record shop. And on on that there, we did some Liggety. And then there were these other pieces um, that were super cool and ahead of their time, Stockhausen Zodiac pieces. So this is like before everyone was like super into Zodiacs too. Ooh. Um, I think that's I was already into them. That's why he's an icon. That's why Adam's an icon. <laughs> exactly. So um, a bunch of us took, we they're really kind of short pieces that you can interpret however you like. Um, so we each took our sign. So I'm Virgo. So I did Virgo and Tara did Gemini. And then there are a couple others. And um, Adam did Libra. He's a Libra. And he did guitar and singing and he was like improvising with guitar and like playing, playing guitar. And I just remember this moment we had and he was like going for a while. He was like jamming out. It was, it was really good. It was awesome. Um, I just remember we had this moment where I was like with Tara and she was like, he sounds like Alanis Morissette. (laughs) Adam was like, Libra. Like doing all this really cool, like kind of shifting ranges, but like the cracking, and we were like, "Well, we can't unhear this." Um, So yeah, that was such a lovely memory. I think I remember that because uh, later in the week, I I went in to buy Jagged Little Pill from Jaime's, and uh, and they were sold out. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I I saw I saw the really. Whoa. Whoa! Yeah. Uh, no, but that <laughs> I I can hear I can hear Adam Adam's voice I know. doing that. Um, I know. Maybe <laughs> we can get him to do it again. I don't know if he would be down, but it was. Well, a, not, not I think it, I think it actually sounded really really good. It was just oh, a yeah. hilarious. Moment. I love it. That's great. Well, thank you very much for this conversation. This has yeah. been it's been fantastic. I, I have so many things to chew on and. I really appreciate it. So thank you. Yeah, thank you, Justin. This is like super fun. Good. Good.